Happy Halloween. We're going to go over the case of the notorious Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper caused horror and scare and panic amongst London's East Inn. The Upper West Side was posh and nice and beautiful, but London's East Inn was filled with sanitation and dirt and the stench of sewage and it was full of fog and smog. You couldn't even see your hand in front of you and most of the people that lived in the low low East End were struggling and low income type of people and they had to resort to working in the lowest of lowest of jobs. Most were prostitutes and the only way that they would be able to survive. So Jack the Ripper came on the scene really fast in the months between August and November 1988. He murdered at least five women. They were all prostitutes and they were they were found all near the Whitechapel district of London. Seedy and, and um, shady and very, very uh, unposh East End. So Jack the Ripper was never identified and never arrested. So let's take a look and see if we can discover who Jack the Ripper was. So around August 7th to September 10th in 1888, Jack the Ripper terrorized London's East End. The ladies at night working the streets because they had no other choice. No one would even see someone if they strangled them and were killing them because of the fog and the smog. There was so much pollution and the sanitation. There was filth in the streets and there were so many people and they had no choice. They couldn't find jobs and the only way they could survive was to, to basically be prostitutes. And most of his victims they loved alcohol and they were singing and they were loud and they were known to be like partiers or loved their booze. And um, so the reason that we know that it was Jack the Ripper is because he'd start writing these letters to the police and taunt them about his murders. So that is why um, people know him as Jack the Ripper because of his letters to Scotland Yards. So um, all the... All the murders took place within just literally a mile of each other. So did he live around there or did he not like the people there or did he go there to find his victims? These places were Whitechapel, Spitalfields, Aldgate, and the city of London in the shady East End where things were... The life there was cruel and hard for most of the, the citizens in the area. So several letters were sent to the London... Metropolitan Police Service, known as Scotland Yard, and they would claim that they would he was going to be killing more, more people, and um, so that is how we know about his name. So the first victim was the first victim started on Friday 31st, the body of Mary Ann Nichols. She was only 42, and most of these women were married at one time or divorced. Some had kids, some were mothers, but they had to resort to prostitution because they couldn't find any kind of a job. So Mary Ann Nichols, 42, was found in Bucks Row, which is now Dunwall Street. Her face was bruised and her throat was slashed. It seemed like he wanted to behead all of his victims, so all, all their throats were slashed. 
he had opened her stomach and this was reportedly the Ripper's first victim. September 8th, Ann Chapman, 47 years old, her prostate was found. She was the second victim. She was found behind 29 Hanbury Street and some of her possessions were laid out next to her. This is probably where the shawl was because one of the police officers passed down a, a shawl. Her head was almost severed again. He tries to chop off their head from their neck. Her stomach was torn apart and sections of her skin were ripped open and her intestines, he pulled out her intestines and part of her vagina and bladder had been carved and, and um, they weren't on her. So he must have taken with him in his little doctor bag or bag or carrying it in some kind of bag or carrying it away or whatever he did with it. On September 28th, another letter was received from the Central News Agency signed Jack the Ripper, and he was threatening more murders. So the public was in an uproar and they had riots and they would attack anyone carrying a black bag like a doctor's bag. And so people were very suspicious of each other. They were very nervous. Panic and fear just terrorized London's East End. And the hardest part, you couldn't see anyone at night. I mean, someone could grab you and kill you and you can't even see the hand in front of you because it was so dark. The, the fog and the smog, it was just so dark at night that anyone could grab you and all they could hear you, but they probably didn't even know where you were. So it was easy for him to get away with. It was very, very hard. In September 30th, he carried out two murders within minutes of each other. Elizabeth Stride would be found first at 1 a.m. She was behind 40 Burner Street. Blood was still pouring from her throat. Once again, he's slashing their throats, trying to behead them. And then he must have been disturbed or someone must have seen him, walked upon him, heard the girl screaming because then her blood was still um, pouring from her neck. And then within within minutes at 1.45, a second body, Catherine Edo, she was only 43, was just found a few minutes, just a short few minutes walk in the alley, and she was between Duke Street, which is now known as St. James Passage, and Mitra Square. Her body was slashed and ripped open. Her throat was slashed again. Then he did the gruesome things of her eyelids were cut, and even part of her nose and right ear were sliced. And he took her uterus and kidney, removed them, and then her insides were thrown over her right shoulder. A trail of blood led the police. They saw some blood and they followed it and to a nearby doorway. And there was a message in blood and it read, the J-E-W-E-S are not the men to be blamed for nothing, quote unquote. So there was a clue, a valuable clue, forensic evidence, and the Metropolitan Police, Sir Charles Warren, a police officer actually ordered this clue to be destroyed. I mean, everyone keeps asking, why would the police want that clue to be there? Was it was it a police officer who did it? Who did it? Because one of the victims was drunk and disorderly and was released from um, jail. And she was just walking from jail that morning and she was one of the victims. So sometimes people think the police did it. So... This double murder just really caused an uproar and um, 
So this was really, really terrible. And Jack the Ripper once again wrote some letters to the Central News Agency saying sorry he wasn't able to send the ear to them, which was just what was the mindset of this killer that he could be so horrific, disemboweling, dismembering bodies, taking their um, their parts and what was his mindset? If we only had Sherlock Holmes, he would have most likely found us, found and uh, apprehended the suspect. On November 9th, the Ripper struck again, and this time the beautiful young girl, 25, Marine Jeanette Kelly, would be found killed in her room. She um, rented a room in a low-income uh, housing off of Dorset Street, which is now Duval Street. It was called Miller's Court. She was... Her remains were on the bed, blood everywhere. Her land landlord um, burst in the door trying to collect rent and saw her body and discovered it. Once again, her throat was slashed and cut. He sliced her nose, he cut off her breasts and put them on a table, well, or dumped them. And then her insides were draped over a picture frame and the body was skinned and gutted. And he even took the heart or she took the heart, whoever took it. So this panic and outcry and uproar and just just uh, just terrorized the city the public outcry led to the resignation of sir charles warren chief of police rightfully slow so um as soon as 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 quickly as the his, jack the ripper's reign of terror started and it just suddenly ended and mary was the last of mary jeanette kelly seemed to be the last victim. So um, if we were Jack, uh, as we want to know who done it. And here are some suspects that we're going to tell you. And you just let us know who you think might have done it. So one that's very interesting is um, Joseph Barnett. And he had lived with the last victim, the beautiful, attractive 25-year-old Mary Kelly. So they lived together. And Joseph Barnett was supposedly in love with her. And a lot of times, you know, and these, these murder cases and crime cases, you know, husband, wives, boyfriends, girlfriend, mistresses, family members, someone that's tied to the victim is usually the killer, especially if you connect them to DNA. So he was in love with her. He didn't want her to be a prostitute. So that could mean he even tried to scare her um, by telling her, like, look at all the Jack the Ripper murders. You don't want to be doing that. So, but um, he wanted to support her, but he lost his job. They had a big fight 10 days before her death, and he moved out. So the only one that could have her key, possibly, is this Joseph Burnett, and he had a motive to kill her. He didn't want her to be a prostitute. So, um, and then once she dumped him, you know, he took care of her, but that's just suspicion. These are all allegedly, and there was no evidence, and they just couldn't put two and two together. So, but he was under suspicion and could be a suspect. So um, because the room was locked, who would have a key? The landlord, her her ex-boyfriend that lived with her, and you know, someone had the key, and those are two people that would have the key, her, her boyfriend and the landlord and herself. So let's see another victim, uh, a suspect that could possibly be um, one of Jack the Ripper. So some people, have thought that it could possibly be this um, William Henry Burry, which was interesting. He was hanged in Dundee, Scotland for the murder of his wife, Ellen. So basically, he tried to hack his wife's 
um, body all up, but he said that he just uh, had a fight with his wife. He strangled her, but he was just couldn't go through with like chopping up her bodies. And um, he confessed to his wife's killing, but there was no evidence that he was Jack the Ripper. So another person was this John Montague Durrit, which is very interesting. His body was found floating in the Thames River. He was found floating in the Thames River at the age of 31. Why would this young man, who was son of a medical practitioner, be found in the thing? Did, did the public um, see him with a black bag, a doctor's bag, and think that he did it? But was he trying to practice um, on corpse, or, or uh, turn women into corpse and practice on them? Would he have access to surgical knives? But um, the police were looking for someone that had the skills of a physician, a butcher, a midwife, or someone that was able to cut with a knife or the skills to have access to these knives and be able to do these types of things for the gruesome disembowelment and removal of organs, which was really horrific. So the suspicion fell on him um, once a memorandum of McNaughton from public um information he investigated jack the ripper's killings for scotland yards and once they became public this is quote unquote what mcnaughton said about this john duret the 31 year old a doctor of about 41 years of age in a fairly good family who disappeared at the time of the miller court's murder and whose body was found floating in the thames on the 31st december that is seven weeks after said murder the body was said to have been in the water for a month or more from private information a little doubt, but that his own family suspected this man of being the Whitechapel murderer. It was alleged that he was sexually insane. Quote, unquote. Very interesting. If his family did think he was insane, I'm the killer, or somebody did, and they just did away with him. But they said that there's no evidence, and his only connect, tech connection to the case was um, made by the statements of McNaughton. So there's doubt, but there's suspicion. Another guy that coming under suspicion was James Maybrick. He was suspected of being poisoned by arsenic from his wife. And his wife, Florence Maybrick, was arrested and she was convicted of arsenic poisoning of her husband. And then she was released on re-examination of her case. So the reason that um, they're saying that she poisoned him is because a diary was found in 1992. And this diary took credit for the slaying of the Ripper victims the five Ripper, Jack the Ripper victims and two other murders. But a name is not, they didn't find any names, but there was hints and references that this was James Maybrick's diary. So um, also a gentleman's pocket watch was found in 1993 and it had James Maybrick initial on it, J Maybrick. And it also had the initials of all five of Jack the Ripper's victims initials on the pocket watch and even the words quote unquote i am jack so there was no evidence that it could be proved with the scratches and what dates those scratches were did somebody scratch that in there to accuse him or was that his trinket and trophy and souvenir for his killings we'll never know there's doubt there's doubt but very very interesting if if florence did think that her husband did it and wanted to kill him so there's rumors, but no substantial evidence. Another guy was Walter Richard Sickert. He was a British painter, 
who took inspiration from Jack the Ripper's cases. So he was making paintings and he also was rumored to lodge in the room once used by Jack the Ripper as according to his landlady, but she might just be saying that or we have no evidence. So um, Stephen Knight claimed that the painter, Mr. Walter Sickert, had been accomplice in the murders. And then also Patricia Cornwell was a crime novelist. Um, she bought 31 of Sickert's paintings and said she's going to do some DNA evidence and to see if the mitochondrial DNA would connect Sickert to the Ripper Leopard. So there's claims, um, but it was like no substantial evidence or no evidence to um, tie the, the artist with the Ripper case. Another guy was Francis Tumblety. So he was spe- suspected of um, being Jack the Ripper. And then on, on November 7th, 1888, he was arrested on unrelated charges and then he was released on bail. And then suddenly he booked it back to the United States and then supposedly or rumors that Scotland Yard tried to bring him back to New York City, but New York City police had said, quote unquote, there is no proof of his complicity in the Whitechapel murders and the crime for which he's underbound in London is not extraditable, quote unquote. So there's some doubt, but he did leave, but so we'll never know. Then there was this Aaron Kominsky. He was a hairdresser in the Whitechapel district and he was investigated and um, someone uh, at a auction in 2007 from Russell Edwards, um, a shawl was bought and it was one of the uh, Jack the Ripper's victims. And this shawl had traces of blood and ge- genetic material. And Russell Edwards, who, who sold, um, who bought the shawl at that auction, brought it to Liverpool, John Moore's University, to Mr. To a doctor named Dr. Jerry Lou Helene. And they tested the shawl and to see if there'd be a connection. And um, their suspicion, but no substantial evidence to support it, just wasn't strong enough, or just it's just kind of being like this lingering, um, nothing's really supportive after all these years. So as suddenly as Jack the Ripper appeared on the um, the streets of Easton London. He went away like a puff of smoke and um, and that remains the biggest mystery and London's biggest serial killer and most gruesome and horrific. So remember this happy Halloween, make sure it's happy. And if you see anyone with a knife, do run. Be happy and safe and healthy. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can simply subscribe to our channel or send us a few dollars for coffee and a research. Have a great day and be safe and happy.